What's going on, guys? You're listening to the Not Corporate Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Katz, here with my co-host, Alan Diadamo. And today, we're going to be talking about some of the side projects that we're working on. So I hope you guys enjoy. Let's hop right in. Hey, man, what's going on? Not too much. Just gearing up. Super Bowl Sunday, so... Oh yeah, Aaron, Tommy. Aaron. Yeah, how about you? How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I actually, so I put a um, a ten dollar futures bet before the NFL season that Justin Herbert would get Offensive Rookie Player of the Year. And like, granted, I, I did the same thing for Tua and for for Burrow. I kind of like dispersed my money across the three rookie QBs that had a lot of hype and was hoping that one of them would hit. Um, but Burrow hit at plus twenty two hundred odds, so got two hundred and twenty bucks out of that and just rolled it over. And added a nice, add a nice little uh, windfall into my to my investment account, which is always good. How about you? Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm actually so I am not a sports better, but I'm debating because I think Tennessee just opened up. You can do online gambling now. Oh, really? That's so. so part weird. of me is kind of like, do I throw some money on Tom and the Bucks? Like, as much as being a Patriots fan, I, I can't root against my guy Tom. No, so. definitely not. Hundred percent. Um. I wanted to, so I actually, I've been looking forward to this conversation because I wanted to ask you about Drizzly. Being as you're a beverage guy, I figured you would probably know a little bit more about this than I do, but they recently got acquired by Uber uh, this week. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I saw that. I mean, definitely um, one, I mean, huge deal. So I think it went for like, it was one, 1.1 billion. Yeah, I think uh, that sounds right. Just crazy. But I think, I mean, it's kind of crazy to see how so Uber now has gone from uh, like ride sharing app to they've got food, they've got scooters, they've got the bikes. Now oh, yeah. they've got alcohol. Um, and I think they did. I think they also like are trying to get into like uh, like um, prescription. Really? I saw something on like one of the articles. I think they're like looking to do that as well. Uh, or they may have already got a company. So I'm not super up to date on like all of Uber's. Yeah, they've been, uh, they're yeah. all over the place. They kind of remind me of Google's other bets portfolio. However, yeah. they don't have a massively profitable business that's bolstering that other bets portfolio. They're just losing money, <laughs> yeah. but, but working on some pretty cool things. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I'm curious to see. So there, there's a lot of interesting dynamics when you look at like alcohol delivery. Um, just by nature of like it, it breaks the traditional molds where you have like this additional sub distributor almost right where mm-hmm. now the liquor store. So like, if you look at, at least for off premise, right? Like you had, you know, there's suppliers, there's the second tier, the wholesalers, mm-hmm. and then there's the retailers. Yep. And so alcohol operates in that three tier system. But now basically Drizzly has created like liquor stores are now in a way almost like a like sub distributor where right. now I can punch an order and you're dropping it off to me. But what's kind of interesting is like at least coming from the beer industry, like there's usually set territories for who mm-hmm. sells what. And so now like if the territory line for just uh, like true distributor, if the liquor store closest to me is in their territory, but I live or, you know, the liquor store that's selling through Drizzly. Right. 
right. that's closest to me is in another wholesaler's territory. And there's a liquor store that I used to go to that's nearby me. And that's in another wholesaler's territory. Now I'm buying from the other territory. Interesting. So it kind of like it shifts, like depending on how it splits out. It's more it, like that's more common in like a very like urban area. So like mm-hmm. you think of like Los Angeles or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of crazy how like Uber now, like I'm picturing like you can order food. And then you can order alcohol with it. Yeah. Which and is it's going nice. to kind of blur the lines of who can sell what. I don't know. It's going to be yeah. interesting. It is going to be interesting. Uh, so I, I've actually never used Drizzly. And I believe Uber actually has alcohol delivery already on, and their standalone thing. And they're going to integrate mm-hmm. Drizzly into that as well. Um, but I live across the street from a liquor store. So I, whenever I want anything, I just walk across the street and save myself yeah. whatever the, the premium would be to have it delivered. Um, but from my understanding, Drizzly the user interface is more like here's the beverage that I want. What are the liquor stores that will deliver to me that are in my area? And then you select the liquor store. Whereas yeah. Uber from a, from like a liquor delivery standpoint is the same way that it is from restaurants where you pick the liquor store and then peruse the inventory. Um, and I think Drizzly has the winning model on that sense. But I mean, I assume that for Uber to actually adapt um, their original liquor delivery like formatting they would have to change the infrastructure behind like what is powering the overall uber eats experience too um, or at least yeah. make some slightly a, a different variation uh, which is a lot of time and resources yeah and it's really interesting too because you look at like for um you know i mean I, and i used to work I was in sales for beer and off-premise uh, liquor stores and i mean a big part of that business is the schematics for the the cold box right like how are the beers put on the shelves mm-hmm. like who's in what position what beer is displayed on the floor now at drizzly it's your you know the shelf space has gone from an entire store to your screen and they kind of remove the there's no you know like when you go into the apps like i guess for restaurants it's a little bit different but like with drizzly i mean it's really the only time you really know what store you're buying from is when you're basically at checkout and it says oh x products come from here and x products come from here interesting so like I don't know anything about like the underlying ad platform behind that, but I'm assuming that like, if you like, let's say there's a grid on the browse experience and like on when you're actually looking at your phone, you can see 12 at a time, for example, like Mm -hmm. four by three. Um, I assume that there's at least two sponsored placements within there. And then the rest of them are algorithmically driven. It sounds like on Drizzly, the ones, the people that would benefit the most from actually paying for ad space is the, liquor companies themselves the brands themselves as opposed to the individual liquor stores because if you can just choose the distributor then or like the, the whatever liquor store you want to deliver it or fulfill the order then it kind of like negates the the benefit of advertising for it yeah one well, so then the crazy thing too is when you look at so the alcohol industry in general um so like sodas like non-alc they can pay slotting fees at the grocery store mm-hmm. like coca-cola buys their space yep, that's totally sense. legal alcohol you're not allowed to do that and so what's interesting now is like if drizzly what are the legalities of allow people to purchase preferred spots yeah is it like how does a so you look at it from the perspective of like if you're a new player like a new brewery or a new distiller or wine company how do you get the edge and how do you get out there if you you're not gonna be able to pay to promote but you're also not gonna be able to prove so they use an algorithm to use highest volume sales or something 
well, I mean, you have no no shot. So, I mean, they have it broken out by category, but it gives – I mean, Drizzly has uh, – the, the way they set it up, right, like if you're not going to scroll forever to dig through the right. app and find stuff. So you might – search whatever you're looking for. Yeah, people might go to grab, you know, that experience of walking up and down the island kind of like looking at all the different cans or different bottles of wine and being like, oh, this looks interesting. I'll try that. Like that moment is going to be a lot harder to replicate on a screen. That yeah, that makes sense. Another one, GoPuff. Do you have? Do you guys use GoPuff out in Nashville? Uh, yeah. So actually, I got yeah, because a couple of my friends are like from. I think it started in Philly, so yeah. they rave about it, love it. But um, I use it all the time in Brighton. Get Ben and yeah. Jerry's ice cream delivered to my door. It's pretty nice. Well, they give you like but a, they do. They do alcohol now too. Yeah, and their hours are better than so like Drizzly and Mini Bar are capped by. Uh, the liquor store hours. Oh, interesting. That does make sense. And GoPuff, for whatever reason, I mean, they're able to sell alcohol later. So yeah, they might they might just easy. keep everything within their own warehouses, and so they like warehouse. yeah, so the, the liquor store hours don't matter because it's not like a pickup and delivery. It's a go from the warehouse to the customer. Yeah, and that again, and back to so what we were talking about earlier with like urban areas and like wholesaler territories. GoPuff's another one that can kind just of mess totally up. screwing that up. Yeah, well, because think, I mean, so if GoPuff drops a warehouse into, you know, if there's a territory line in the middle of downtown or something, right? Which it wouldn't normally happen like that. But if the warehouse is on one side or the other, then that wholesaler is going to get all those sales. Yeah. Do the GoPuff warehouse, and then that could be going all over the city. Yeah. They've got to have some, is they, I mean, I imagine they, they're going to have to adapt and figure out a different way to actually price things out. Yeah, I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how that works because definitely you know that's that's an industry that's got a lot of uh, litigation power. So yeah. it'll be it's gonna be an interesting uh, interesting development for sure. Will definitely be interesting. Uh, but this is a perfect like intro topic segue into our broader topic today, um, and that's giving a little bit of background on the side projects that I'm currently working on and that Alan's currently working on. Um, so I'm gonna kick it over to Alan first, and quick disclaimer. He's in the early stages working with a team uh, and there's certain things that he may or may not be actually able to say on air. And so if you guys hear an awkward cut at any point, it's because he said something he wasn't allowed to say. And we ended up cutting it out. So bear with us. You'll hear about it in the coming months, I'm sure. Um, but Alan, I'm going to kick it over to you. Give us the background. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. And I was, was going to say, yeah, yours is a little bit easier, right? Because you're kind of solo project. So you've got full. I can only screw out. myself. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, so I've been working, uh, I guess, long and short, I've been working with a couple of guys doing a homebrew project. So um, obviously, you know, I coming from the beer business, I definitely, you know, I have a passion for beverage. It's just, it's something for me. I'm, uh, you know, I love beer, coffee. I love trying different products, teas, like, I just, I like it, right? Like everybody drinks something other than water every day. So like, I'm like, it's beverage is something that is, you know, always there. So I, I, I enjoy it and I think it's a cool space. So yeah. So we, we bought some homebrew equipment, which uh, was, we got a pretty, pretty diesel system. It's like a seven gallon. Uh, there's a good amount of automation to it to start. So it's a pretty, yeah, it's exciting. So we'll be able to make, you know, seven gallons. I think we get five gallons worth of product. Nice. Um, so we'll be able to get a good amount of beer to test and sample and uh, start figuring out kind of what beers we make that taste good and what we want to, you know, experiment with some styles and just kind of have fun with it. And 
see what what we can make. So do you have any experience brewing in the past? I know that your your history is primarily on the distribution side. Yeah, so I'm definitely more on the commercial end. So um, I've never done any home brewing personally. Uh, I cook a lot, so I definitely like kind of there's that's not there's not a lot of carryover, but I think kind of that willingness to experiment with flavors uh, will hopefully help out here. Um, but I, I I'm familiar with the process um, mm-hmm. just from some of my experiences being able to see it, and so but we've got a guy who. He's done a lot of work, uh, kind of more on the supply side. So actually in brew houses. Um, and then we got another guy who he's more, um, he's worked in politics. He's worked in iBanking. So he's got kind of a good, you know, widespread of skills, uh, but all very important in a highly regulated, regulated industry. So hundred percent. Yeah. So we've been, so yeah, so we've been spending a good amount of time just getting things set up, uh, getting everything in place. So we'll hopefully get the uh, the first batch of beer going uh, later this week or over the, the coming weekend. So it's going to be it's going to move quick. It's going to be exciting to uh, to get that first sip of beer off the tanks. Super exciting! I'm bummed that you're in Tennessee because I would love to be one of your uh, your guinea pigs, but yeah. <laughs> fortunately, it's a bit of a far drive for me to actually get there yeah, to help same. out. That's pretty awesome, man. Um, so what do you, when you guys are thinking about how to choose what types of beer to brew, I know nothing about this for as like a disclaimer for everybody listening. I'm like (laughs) completely shooting from the hip because I know nothing about this industry, but like, are you starting out with like an IPA, a Pilsner? Is there any pros or cons to starting with one versus the other? Um, yeah, so I mean, really kind of starting with the, the thought process was start with some like kind of base types of beers first, right? Kind of get your basics down before you start experimenting. Um, so there's, this will be a fun uh, fact for people listening. So there's only two types of beer technically, right? There's ales and lagers. So ale is top fermenting yeast and lager is bottom fermenting yeast. And okay. so basically when you t- take the beer and you're fermenting, um, lagers usually ferment colder. Uh, and as mentioned, the yeast is at the bottom. Um, but lagers usually take more time. So they can take anywhere from, you know, like it's like three to four weeks uh, to ferment. Whereas like an ale, uh, they can ferment, you know, within a week, 10 days, you know, like they're, they're quick. Um, <clears throat> so that's why like, this isn't the only reason, but I think that that's why you see a lot of craft breweries start with ales is because it's a little bit easier uh, and it's quicker turns gotcha so um so we're gonna kind of start we're gonna start with some like i think we got a blonde pale ale uh and a hefeweizen so kind of starting off with like i said just simple start at the base and then um you know kind of build from there right so you gotta gotta crawl before you run yeah 100 percent. so what's the uh and this is where we start start wading into some murky territories and what you can and can't tell us right now but what's the plan for actually operationally scaling this right like the the goal here is to make money off of it so what what is the the plan like do you I, like are you gonna have a storefront do you think that you're gonna start with bottle distribution can distribution um do you know yet where are you guys at yeah so i think i mean obviously obviously still early planning stages um but, you know i think the you know the idea is to start testing out some beers like i said we got a seven gallon system so we're not uh brewing on our stovetop with pots and pans trying to feather the heat and guesstimate um 
<clears throat> and the whole point of getting that system, you know, is a little bit of an investment up front, all of us kind of chipping in some money. But the idea is that using that system, get comfortable using more commercial grade gear and uh, we'll be able to brew hopefully uh, more consistent. So, um, so that's kind of the plan plan with that. As for, you know, scaling, I think, um, you know, obviously when you're home brewing, you're just kind of, you know, giving away product. Um, you know, you're just making it for yourselves. There's a lot of licensing that goes on to get right. into uh, actually operating. So I think that's where, you know, the real kind of point we're at is, you know, get the beers out, start tasting, start kind of uh, getting feedback and working on our recipes and kind of start the base and then make those plans on how, you know, if we do want to launch, what does that look like? So a lot of time involved with, um, like I said, licensing, you know, alcohol is highly regulated. So you've got federal licenses, state licenses. Um, and then, you know, when you look at how, I mean, model wise, I mean, most breweries, obviously like pre COVID, right. Um, you know, tap rooms selling out of, uh, your own facility is definitely, it's a direct route to market to get straight to the customer. Um, so there's some perks there. And then you also, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's easier cause you don't have to sign on a wholesaler. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of where you've seen a lot of breweries start with a tap room and then, you know, selling just kind of can pickups. So like, I know, uh, both of us being from Massachusetts, like a tree house, oh, yeah. uh, you know, they only sell out of their building. Right. So you and go, sell you sell out all the time. Yeah. You can drink on premise and you can pick up cans and that's it. So, mm-hmm. You know, that would probably be the way to start, right? Just to kind of get your get your feet under you. Um, but then, yeah, obviously, you know, you then look at, you know, if you want to start selling, you got to get a wholesaler and start moving through that process. So we'll we'll see how it how it develops, right? There's a lot of a lot of planning that needs to be done for oh, uh, yes. for any of these steps, which is, uh, you know, kind of the fun challenge, right? Is figuring out those things. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And we'll we'll be sure to to check in as we kind of progress through the podcast as well, just on, on what kind of challenges you guys are facing, what strategy you're taking, what direction you're going. Um, partly because I'm just interested and partly because I'm sure that our listeners will be as well. Yeah. Well, and you'll be getting the, uh, you know, the, your side project, you're going to be getting the inside scoop uh, as we're going here with your, with your web design project. So I don't know if you want to, I don't know if you have any more questions on the brewery front or if you want to uh jump into your side project i have a million more but they might have to be taken offline because i know that you can't actually answer them online um but we'll get there one more good one what are you you wondering ah one more good one um you know i'd be curious about costs like do you have in i don't know if you're able to tell us this but like how much does it cost actually like if you guys were going to go fully two feet dive in jump into this like what does it cost to stand up a brewery um, that's actually, that's a great question. Cause it, so I will preface it with it. A depends a lot on Always. location and size of equipment. Um, so, I mean, I would say, and it's going to be kind of a wider range, but I would say like, you're looking at anywhere from, you know, I think you could probably, depending on where you're at in the country, um, you know, 450, 500, is like probably bottom barrel. You could probably do it. Um, I would say like, I would think for more, if you're getting like solid equipment that can usually run depending on the size of the system, you know, 150 plus. Um, Mm -hmm. 
So, I mean, you could, I would say you could probably get going at the half mil, maybe a little bit under that. Um, but I would think more of them you're looking at around like a million dollars or so. Yeah. I feel like um, that a million was kind of the ballpark number that I just like pulled out of a hat. Um, but that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, that's, you know, I think that's kind of everything in, um, you know, especially cause like I said, equipment's a big part of it. And so getting a location that's geared for it, setting it up, yep. uh, all of your, you know, water piping, uh, gas, heat, all that stuff. So that, that, yeah. not to mention the real estate costs vary a lot by demographic or ge- geographic, excuse me. Yeah. Cause like up, up where we are, right. Like Massachusetts, it's going to be pretty expensive. Right. Yeah. Uh, so those are right in Nashville. Yeah. Not cheap. Nashville here. I mean, so Nashville expensive too, but I mean, you get a little further out in Tennessee and it's you know, cheaper. not as, yeah, not as expensive. So yeah, definitely. But, but so let's, uh, let's shift gears here. Your web design project. Let's hear it. Yeah. So I am in the process of teaching myself web design and the intention behind this is that long-term I want to be able to build micro SaaS products myself. Um, and for those of you that aren't aware, micro SaaS, which SaaS is S-A-A-S, it stands for software as a service, are essentially small pieces of software that you can operate with a one-man team, two-man team, three-person team, whatever. Um, but it's, it doesn't require a ton of overhead. And if you can build up a relatively consistent customer base and get some monthly and annual recurring revenue, it can be a great way to have cash flows where you put a ton of time and effort in upfront and then reap the benefits of it long-term without having a ton of on like hands-on time spent actually maintaining it. Um, so that's something that I want to learn how to do. I don't have a super technical background. I know how to code in SQL. Um, but for anybody that, knows anything about web design or any type of programming like SQL is a databasing language that you can use to for analytics or, or querying different databases and tables um, but you can't really build web applications with just SQL um, so the process that I'm taking to get to the point where I can actually design websites and do it well is I'm starting out by learning tools like Webflow and WordPress I've previously built some websites on tools like Squarespace, Shopify. Um, I've done a little bit with WordPress, but not any of the more complex integrations or customization capabilities that you can do. Um, And the goal is to start out with those, build up a little bit of a book of business, work on some small business clients, you know, $1,000, $5,000, somewhere in that range. and build up some capital to then invest in other businesses while also learning those technical skills and design fundamentals that will help me when I do shift gears more towards the the more technical and in-depth web development and application building type of skills. Um, So the way that I envision this going, and obviously like there's a lot that could go, that could come up and, and things can change, is that I'll start out by building some small websites. While I'm building those small websites, once I kind of have that a little bit more muscle memory um, and less time intensive to actually do these things and learn the different integrations, et cetera. I'll be able to take on some higher average order value clients and some higher quality clients where they need more customization. And so I'll have to learn some HTML, CSS, JavaScript, um, a little bit more in depth to be able to do those types of projects. And then throughout this whole process, I'll be on the side teaching myself a little bit more about those in-depth languages. via d- different tools like Code Academy, um, W3 schools, et cetera. And so 
I'm hoping that I can take a little bit of a learn by doing approach that will get me to my end goal while also making money in the short term because I know myself and I know that if I'm not making money in the short term that I'll probably get bored with it, especially if to be a truly good web designer, like it's something that, and, and web developer as well, like there's so much that goes into it and there's so much that you need to learn and be able to do well um, that it'll take three, five years at least to be like truly functional on your own if you're not doing it full-time every day, um, which my plan is not to do it full-time every day. So I want to be able to get there, but I want to stay motivated while I build towards that end goal and making money in the short term is the way that I'm doing it. So that's where, so you're really going to focus kind of short term here. It's getting, you know, getting some projects, making websites, but Mm -hmm. I guess kind of to get to your long-term goal, right? Of making those like micro SaaS products. Do you have ideas of what you want some of those to be? So do you have like some concepts where you're like, I really want to, I don't know. I want to make a app that helps people manage their uh, bars better or their lawn care business. You know, there's a lot of different things that I think about that would be helpful and that I could build and, or, or I would like to build even just for myself. Um, you know, the, the audio journals and video journals to people that you love is one that I think that would be really cool to be able to build myself because it's not really that intricate to actually build out. It's not like you're trying to like build out some crazy social network or anything similar. Um, but I just don't know how to do it. Another one that I was thinking about the other day is, um, even just like a white noise Chrome extension that you can just toggle on and off. Um, because I'm a big, like when I need to focus, focus, I throw on white noise rather than music. Um, and so like, sometimes I'll be working and I'll have to like, I'll want, I'll be listening to music and then I'll be like, okay, well I need to buckle down for 30 minutes and I want to like put on white noise instead. And then rather than like going over to YouTube or, or like one of those other things that I use to find some white noise to put on, just be able to like press a little button and be like, great. Okay. I'm in the zone. Let's go. Um, I don't, I don't think there's a huge business there, but like, as far as usability for myself, I would like it. Uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff like that, that, you know, you find everyday inefficiencies that if you could just spend 30 minutes to, to build a little tool to make them redundant and not a problem anymore, would love to do it. Well, how's it go too? So like you mentioned, there's, there's a lot of different languages and kind of uh, programs you need to learn. So like, how are you, I guess, and I prefacing this, I just don't know the space. Yeah. Um, so if your questions are silly, you know, let me know, but what I'm curious too is like, I've heard how like some of those languages, you know, they evolve over time, right? And some of them aren't as common anymore. So how are you prioritizing which languages you learn? And then also like kind of, how are you going about that? Also, what are you using? How are you, where are you going to learn? Like, do you have one place you're going or you kind of have a couple of different websites you're going to like Khan Academy or something like that? Like, yeah. Where'd so, you start? so a couple different things to unpack here. First is that, just for, for your understanding and like, I'm not an engineer. So if you're listening to this and you are an engineer and I sound like an idiot, like that's fine. Um, but the way that I'm thinking about it is that every like web application or website has basically three layers to it. The first is the front end and that's just what customers are actually seeing. And then there's this intermediary layer, which is mm-hmm. the like interaction piece almost. So you like go and like click on something and then that triggers something else to happen. Um, and then on the back end, there's, the actual programming that makes whatever interaction you hit do whatever it's supposed to do. Yeah. Um, I am primarily focusing right now on front end 
And the reason being is that it integrates better with that web design capability mm -hmm. set that I'm trying to build to build out client websites. Um, and a lot of the backend stuff can be like pretty complex and particular to what you're trying to build. Um, so I'm focusing on that on the front end stuff. So that's HTML, CSS, and JavaScript is the basic languages that almost every website is built on. Um, and then I imagine that what will end up happening is if I do have one of these micro SaaS businesses that I come up with, if it's not something that I can just build myself, I'll at least be able to build the front end and hire a developer to build the back end that goes into it. Um, and I'm personally a, an experience led design thinker. Um, so I want to make sure that I'm building whatever I'm building around whatever design or experience will solve the problem for the customer as opposed to the inverse where you have a functionality that you try to build and then you just put a design on top of it. And so I think that learning it in this order as well will help me better cater to the customers that I'm ultimately trying to build for. As far as where I'm going for resources, um, I've spent a little time on Code Academy. I've spent some time on LinkedIn Learning. Um, and then I've also spent some time just being like, okay, well, this is what I want to do. How do I do it? And then watching a million different YouTube videos. Um, and I think that there's a different time and place for each of those. But if you want a good place to just completely start, if you're starting from scratch, I think that uh, the Code Academy does a pretty good job, especially of just structuring the curriculum, because that was something that when I first started looking into this, I didn't know where to start. I didn't know what different things I would need to do. And so even if you're not using the Code Academy content for every step of the like design or the, the building and the learning. Um, you can at least look at that, get an understanding of what the roadmap looks like to ultimately learn what you want to learn and then run with that instead. Yeah, no, definitely. And like, so I think, yeah, cause like you said, you kind of, you have like a couple of different ways you're going to learn it. I think, so one of the things too, is, as you're looking about, you know, you, you're also turning this into a business, right? So you're trying to figure out how you're going to scale that out. So do you see something where, it sounds like you're learning a lot, but do you envision where you're going to try and get somebody to partner up with sooner than later? Are you going to try and kind of get a network of contractors that you know you can trust and have a high quality of work? How do you kind of see that journey as you look to, to you know, build it out into a real, you know, true business? Yeah. So, so short term, I'm more focused on building up a book of business as an independent consultant. Mm -hmm. um, there will be projects that I take on where I likely need to leverage other independent consultants to get the project done completely and to spec. Yeah. Um, I have a couple different friends and I mean, I work at a tech company, so I know a lot of people that are far more technical than I am. Um, so if I ever run into a situation right now where my building capabilities don't need the project spec, I think first and foremost, it's important for me to communicate that with any clients ahead of time and let them know, you know, this is where my comfort level drops off and I will be using a third party to help me build this out if you want to continue to go down this route because I don't want to bite off more than I can chew and have that reflect poorly on myself, my business, or leave a bad taste in anybody's mouth from their experience working with me. Um, but the idea is that short term, I'll be leveraging friends um, to help me do these things. And if I need to find a contractor, I can go to an Upwork or a Fiverr or something else. Um, and try and actually find like a, a random freelance consultant to help me work out those types of kinks if I need to. Yeah. And do you have like four, and that's, that's probably, that's a smart way to, to build it up out of the gate. I mean, do you see where, so I guess too, on the, on the web design element, like 
it's different when you have an e-commerce component. Is that something that your, uh, I know it probably falls a little bit in your wheelhouse. Can you speak more to kind of your plan there on, are you going to focus on companies, you know, or projects where they're trying to build out a, you know, e-commerce platform, or are you going to look at, you know, landing pages? What are you kind of, what are you excited to work on? Honestly, I'm excited to work on all of it. I have so much fun with this stuff. Like I've been building my own website as a part of the learning process. And it's like, I look forward to doing it every morning. I wake up before work, uh, usually around six every day. And I work from like six to like 845 um, on these projects. And then I kick over to regular work at nine. Um, as far as will I be working on e-commerce businesses, I intend to, so long as there's no conflict of interest with my employer. Um, and then for regular businesses, I imagine that it'll be the traditional, um, like smaller service businesses that don't need all that much functionality, but really want to make their business stand out from, uh, it's just an, a web presence standpoint with the exception of some integrations with calendars or reservation booking, et cetera. Um, I actually have a couple different projects lined up for portfolio pieces. Um, one of which is like a personal training gym, you know, I'm planning on working with you on yours. And then I, I have a, a charity that I'm going to work with to build out a website for them as well. And so hopefully once I have those three, A, I'll be exposed to different project types that have different requirements and capabilities needed. And then B, word of mouth will be able to give me a little bit of a, of a running start towards some, some higher paid projects. Um, and if, if that doesn't end up taking off the way that I'm hoping that it will, like I, I spent my time in sales, I have no stranger to hitting the phones and I can happily do that and will do that if it's what it takes to drive up business. So we'll kind of see how it goes. But first and foremost, I need to learn how to do the pro like do the, do the thing that I'm selling and do it really, really well. So that's what I'm focused on right now. Yeah. What, um, I guess too. So one of the things, I think this is a space where, I mean, I know I've had times where, I'm like, I should really learn how to code. Because uh, I've gone on Code Academy. It didn't, I didn't really end up doing too much with it. But I guess, what would you say has been the biggest hurdle or the biggest challenge? And like, what was your way of kind of getting past that to keep going? Because I think, like you said, like coming from a, some, like not having a technical background, I think it can be intimidating and daunting to mm -hmm. get started with something like that. So how's that kind of on the more technical side has that process been? I think that the hardest thing for me was knowing where to start. Um, because like, if I just look at this shiny object in the future of being like, I want to be able to build web applications. There's so much that goes into that. And it's so easy to want to start in like Python, for example, which is yeah. um, a programming language that's pretty universal. A ton of people use it for a ton of different things. Great language to learn. But like, you need so much more than just Python to be able to actually build a web application. Um, and so to figure out what the roadmap looks like for me to, in terms of building the skill set, um, I'm very fortunate that my dad is a, he works for a consulting company that specializes on technology consulting and, and web and application development. Um, and a good friend of mine, Sam, um, has given me a ton of guidance on both where to start from a language perspective, where to start on like a project type perspective and where I can find resources to help me build and learn those things. Um, so I've really just relied on, on my network and some friends and family that have helped point me in the right direction at this point. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's a cool project for sure. And then I guess, so one of the things too is, I mean, when do you think you're going to be launching, launching? So I know you're, 
you're still learning, but what's kind of the, the timeline looking like? What's the plan? You know, I'm planning on launching in the next couple of months. I feel like I've been doing this like full speed for the past I don't month and a half, two months of, of actually learning the stuff um, between regular work and this type of work and the podcast. I've been doing like 12 to 15 hour days and it's fine because I love it. Like I'm having a ton of fun doing it. Um, but the goal is by end of February to have completed my personal website and to have completed the first portfolio piece um, of one of the, the three companies that I have lined up to work with. And so then hopefully in March, I can complete the other two portfolio pieces. Um, and then in, in April would be great to, to kick off and start trying to find organic clients on my own. Nice. And what's like, so that's, that's coming up quick. And then I guess too, so you had asked me this, what's, uh, give us a ballpark on what does it cost to start doing something like this? So so that's the beauty of it is that it's very, very cheap. Um, as far as like the resources go, like you can pay for a code Academy subscription and that's, I think like 150 bucks or 200 bucks or something for a year. Um, I don't have one right now. I'm currently learning Webflow. I'm pretty comfortable with WordPress at this point. Um, Webflow has basically two different pricing models. One is for actual access of the tool itself beyond having just two projects. And then the other is for, if you want to actually push one live, you have to pay for hosting for the site um, over a year. And so I've probably in total put in like a hundred dollars to getting this stood up so far and just a ton of time. Um, But that's one of the things that drew me to it is that at least in the short term, it's a great way to, make some additional side money while learning a skill set that will be relevant to what I want to do long-term and any other type of project that I end up working on in the interim will like, it's a good skill set to have forever. Like if I do end up going into this, like the, the storage unit business, I'm going to need a website. I can build it myself. Like it's something that if I can do it and do it well, it's, uh, it's never going to leave me. It's never going to become a redundant skill set. If anything, it's just going to be more valuable. Um, and so, I, th- I mean, it's a win-win in my book. Like I'm having a ton of fun, learning a ton. It's low cost to get into it. And I'm planning on making some some pretty good side cash with it too. Yeah, no, that's exciting. I mean, and then I guess, you know, one other thing too is like, did you, have you always had an interest in doing this? I guess what was kind of the spark to be like, I'm going to get going with this now. And, you know, obviously, like you said, you've been running with it for a while, but kind of what was that uh, first thing that kind of gave you that push? So this is something that I've thought about a lot. I actually did a little bit of um, social media marketing consulting back before the pandemic started. Um, Was working with three or four different clients at the time. And then that tapered off due to basically every small business cutting their marketing budget for good reason because the pandemic hit. After that, I kind of just reoriented myself along like, what do I want to be doing? What do I want to be learning? Because managing social media accounts, although it was decent recurring revenue on a monthly basis, was just not interesting to me. Uh, And so building websites is something that A, falls within my wheelhouse from a skills and strategy perspective coming from an e-commerce background and B, family close to home. Like my dad does this as a full-time living and has for his entire career. So he and I have talked about user experience and user design a million times over the dinner table. Um, And then C, like, it's a skill set that's going to help me get towards that longer term goal of being able to build my own web applications. And so figure, you know, why am I waiting? There's nothing to be waiting for. I need to stop just sitting on my ass 
uh, and talking about ideas and actually start rolling with one that can help me fund the bigger and better ones that I have down the road. Yeah, no, that's a great. I know. I mean, we've talked about that a lot of kind of that, that first moment of, all right, let's just get going. Yeah. Start. We just got to do it. Like we talked about doing a podcast for a while before we actually started recording. It's like, you got to do like the, the first plunge is the hardest part. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, and even, you know, on the, the homebrewing project with the guys, right? Like it was kind of, we had that, you know, we met up um, and we had that moment of, all right, let's just do it. Like, let's just go. Yeah. And to your point, that's kind of that hardest, that first jump. But then once you start rolling it, it, it then kind of, I think, and I'm sure this has probably happened for you too, is, um, you know, you move from that, oh, what if, and do we, and should we? And then once you start, it really turns into, okay, what's next? And how do you keep, like, you start solving problems and something else comes up and then you keep working on that and you just get going. And it's like, then it just starts mm-hmm. rolling. Cause you're not right. having that debate of, do we do it or no? It's, it's, we're doing it. How do we do it? How do you make it happen? Exactly. And uh, you just learn so much faster by actually doing it. It's so anybody ha- can can build up a business plan and just be like, yeah, this is great. Like this would make a ton of money. But until you're actually in the trenches and trying to bring something to life, there's so many things that you think you just don't think about until you're faced with them. And you're like, oh, shoot, like I need to figure out a way to solve this. Um, and so it's been it's been a good way to, to start getting into that kind of mindset. Also, like between you and me, one of my one of my New Year's resolutions is to be less of a talker and more of a doer because I've got a bunch of ideas and I talk about ideas all the time. And obviously that's the point of this podcast, but I want to start doing shit. And I know you do too. And so yeah. it's good to see that we're both kind of getting off the ground and moving in the right direction. No, and I love what you said about, you know, things will come up. So I mean, I think I, think I told you about this, but even with the, uh, so that system we got for homebrewing, you know, the, the plugs for it, right? And this is what you learn when you, you get rolling. It's, it's not a standard, you know, 120 volt in the wall. <laughs> oh, I forgot about wall, this. Like, and so we get the system set up and we're looking around we're like, we got to get new outlets. Can't run yep. this thing. So, I mean, it's like, but exactly to your point, you find a way to keep moving. So I think that's where, you know, that's, it's a, it's a good process to be in. Like you said, it's a good, um, you know, good time to keep learning and developing those skills. I think for what you're doing, what's exciting to see is like, you're doing something where, like you said, those skills that you're learning, those languages you're learning, that's a skill that not, you now have. So even if it doesn't pan out, it's not time wasted. So, so you'll have to uh, you'll have to keep us keep us updated. You'll probably have to do a website for the, the podcast too. Once we yeah, get at some point, at some point we will. So um, we'll have to have people tweet at us if they want some uh, some mugs or something with the logo. Oh yeah. Little e-commerce store set up for it 100 uh, anyway this has been fun i hope you guys enjoyed hearing a little bit about what we're working on we will continue to kind of keep you guys posted every time there's any major developments um and hopefully we can we can add a couple things to this list of stuff that we're doing of like stuff that we're working on and, and things that we're doing so bear with us and and thanks for listening yeah and then uh like we said as always tweet at us i've got my twitter I'm getting getting into the game. I know yes. you've been in there a lot longer than I have, but you still haven't responded to any of my DMs. I know. I only have one, right? No, I've sent you like 40, dude. <laughs> Every time I see anything interesting, I just send it over to you. Oh yeah, shoot. All right. I gotta actually I didn't have notifications set up on my phone because it was okay. I will say this. Here's my one thing with Twitter. I gotta fix my notifications because it sends me it was sending me like recommended. Uh yeah. I was getting like a ton of them. That. 
So I shut the notification off because it was stressing me out. Um, I'll get back to you. I'll do yeah, okay. it. Okay. Right. Today, I'm- yeah, sure you will. <laughs> All right. Anyway, if you guys if you guys have any feedback, cool. any questions, have something you want to hear us talk about, tweet at us. My name and Twitter is at Ben L Katz. I'll actually read it, so feel free to send it to me and not Alan, uh, or you can send it to Alan too. And Alan, what's your Twitter? Uh, it's Alan Diadama one. So I will. Uh, I'm starting this week tomorrow. I'm gonna build it into my morning routine of checking Twitter. So love that. We'll get it. All right. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. See ya. Talk to you later. Bye.